Greetings and welcome back to The Dive, the weekly podcast series in which we examine one of the topics that has come up in the previous week's Dafyomi study, and we take a look at it in detail. Uh, this shiur and next week's shiur will both be related to a sugya that showed up a couple days ago in our daf, uh, and it's an interrelated piece such that even in today's shiur, we're going to be looking at a little bit of next week's material, and next week we'll be looking back. And the two topics which are related are Lechem Mishneh and Su'udash Lishado Su'udot. The obligation to have three meals on Shabbat. In this first one, we'll take a look at Lechem Mishneh. By the way, both of these obligations are anchored either directly as a Do'oraita or as an Asmachta in the story of the Man. So we'll start with, start with the story of the Man, which is the first source on the handout. Um, and uh, as you see, we don't have the entire parasha here, but the selected critical parts. parts. B'nai Yisrael come to a, uh, a spot in uh, in the desert, and it's now exactly 30 days since they've left Mitzrayim. They evidently have run out of matzah. They have no food, and they come and complain to Moshe, and evidently there's really a double complaint going on. One is the more direct, immediate problem, which is food, but also along with that, there seems to be a theological issue of who actually took them out. So both of those are going to get dealt with here. I'm going to give you food from heaven. Lechem, by the way, does not mean bread. Pat means bread. Uh, so this is food from heaven. And everybody will go out and collect their day's portion. In order for me to test them, will they follow my Torah? What that's about is way off of the topic of the shur, why it's a test and how B'nai Israel actually passed that test. And Hashem tells Moshe, They will prepare that which they're going to bring. And there'll be a double portion over relative to what they're going to pick or collect every day. Okay, and then we hear the story of Moshe telling Bnei Israel about this, and the cloud coming down, etc., and then they go out and they collect, and if you kept anything over from one day to the next, it went bad, it got wormy, etc., now, on the sixth day, which means the sixth day of the man coming down, which means that it started on a Sunday, uh, they collected lechem mishneh, two omer for one person. And as we find out at the very end of the parsha, you can see it highlighted in yellow. The omer, which is one-tenth uh, of an efa, which makes it about three and a half kilograms or so worth of flour, was the daily portion. So that's the amount of the daily portion. On Friday, they got two daily portions. So all the leaders come to Moshe, and they come with a question about what this event is. And Moshe says, that's what Hashem already said. Tomorrow is a holy day of Shabbat for Hashem. Whatever you want to bake, bake now. Whatever you want to cook, cook now. From whatever is left over, keep for a mishmeret, and keep that word in mind, mishmeret as something you guard until morning. Now this, of course, is the exact opposite of the command regarding the man during the week, where you were not allowed to keep it over till morning, and anything you kept over would go bad. So they trusted Moshe, they kept it over until the morning. 
and it did not go bad, not go spoil, and there was no worms in it. Now, by the way, when did this happen? This means that on Friday night, they ate man, and they didn't finish it. They kept it over. They had a whole other day's worth, and the next day it was still okay. And what did Moshe say to them? Eat it today. Today is the day of Shabbat for Hashem. Today you will not find it out in the field. Okay? So that means that Hashem is not going to do the effort of putting out there. You're not supposed to do the effort of collecting it, whatever it may mean. Notice that in that pasuk, and I did not highlight it now, and then next week's um, uh, handout will be highlighted, the word Hayom shows up three times, which is the makor, the Gemara gives for the three meals of Shabbat. Uh, so this pasuk is sort of the core of that. For six days you collect it. On the seventh, there will be no man. And on the seventh day, which seems to mean a week later, meaning the second Shabbat of the man, people went out to collect and they did not find anything because there was nothing to find. Now, Hashem responds in anger about the fact that they went out to collect. How long are you going to refuse to keep my mitzvot. Remember, the whole story of the man was a test to keep, see whether to keep the Torah. Shabbat. Keep this in mind because we're going to come back to this in a midrash later. See that Hashem has given you Shabbat. Therefore, on the sixth day, He's giving you food for two days. Stay in your place. Don't leave your place on Yom HaShvi, on Shabbat. What the Karaites do with that is interesting. And the people rested on Yom HaShvi, which means this next Shabbat, people didn't go out to collect. They called this food man. A lot of interesting discussion about what that word means. Is it a Hebrew word? Is it an Egyptian word? And it's like a coriander seed, and it tastes like honey. Beautiful. And now Moshe says, we don't know who he's saying it to, but he says, this is what Hashem has commanded, take an omer and fill it up as a mishmeret, that's the word again, mishmeret, to guard it, for your generations. Now it's going to be something interesting. On the one hand, man that falls every day goes bad overnight, and so the next day it's no good. The man that, that falls on Friday doesn't go bad overnight, so you can keep half of it for the next day. By the way, we don't know what would happen if somebody would choose not to eat on Friday and would keep the whole thing for Shabbat, whether or not half it would go bad. But in any case, at least some of it didn't go bad. And then we're told, take some man and put it into some container and keep it forever as testimony, which the assumption is it's never going to go bad. Um, so they will see the bread that I, or the food that I fed you in the desert when I took you out of Mitzrayim. All right, so this is supposed to be a commemorative piece. So now Moshe turns to Aharon and gives the details. Take one small vial. Put one Omer's worth of man in it. Now we have a little bit of a problem with this pasuk, which is, put it before Hashem. What does before Hashem mean? We'll find out in the next pasuk, but it's going to make the problem even more difficult. Uh, and again, it's mishmeret, right? And it's for generations. We'll have to see how that plays out. And now, just like Hashem told Moshe, 
Um, Aaron puts it, Lifne ha'edut. The edut, of course, is the testimony. What is testimony? It's the tablets. What tablets? The tablets that Moshe got after being atop the mountain at 40 days, way after the original giving of Matan Torah, the original process of Matan Torah, later on, 40 or 47 days later, Moshe comes down with the tablets, and those tablets are put into a mishkan, which is only constructed uh, eight months later or so, and uh, and that is where Aharon puts the man, which means this story starts now, but has addenda which are put in later. And all of Shonim agree that this is that this is put in later. Uh, that, uh, that that this line is added in after the Mishkan is already up. We'll see a line that's added in much later. And then Uvnei Yisrael Achulat Haman Arbaim Shana. Uvnei Yisrael ate the man for forty years. So that's clearly added later because at this point there's only supposed to be uh, less than a year till they arrive in the land, Ad Boam El Eretz No Shavit, until they come into the settled land, which means the entire time in the Midbar and their first entry into the land, they eat man. They eat the man up until the time they come into the edge of Eretz Canaan. It's exactly what it says in Yoshua. We have an interesting problem about when that Pasuk was written, and there you have a Ramban in Parshat Chukat, and that belongs to a whole different series. But there's the Parsha of the man and the issue of the Lechem Mishneh. And parenthetically, we're told that the Omer, which is the man, is one-tenth of an efa, which tells us something, that the per, the daily nutrition that somebody's supposed to get, or the daily food allowance somebody's supposed to get, is a tenth of an efa of flour. Um, and that's this food, uh, which is the lechem in Hashemayim. Okay. We are not told at any place in here that there is some command for the future, when we are no longer eating man, to have lechem mishneh. In other words, we're told that in the Midbar, when the way that food happened was it was dropped at our doorstep, kilu, overnight or early in the morning, uh, miraculously, and we would go out to eat, that on Friday there would be a double portion, and the idea was that you prepare everything today, and you don't prepare anything tomorrow, and you don't go out tomorrow to collect, and tomorrow it's already ready for you, and that's Shabbat. Beautiful. That doesn't tell us anything about what will happen when we enter the land and when the man is no longer a player. So that's where we get to our sugya. Two little notes before we get to the sugya from the mechilta. The mechilta, uh, which literally means a loom, but the mechilta is the midrash tanaim on Sefer Shmot. There are two mechilta uh, texts, one that we have pretty much entire, and that's the mechilta of the school of Rabbi Ishmael. And there's another one where we only have uh, fragments, and that's called the Mechilta of Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai, but of course it's the school of Rabbi Akiva. And the two major schools of Midrash Halacha that looked at Midrash Halacha using different rules were Rabbi Shmael and Rabbi Akiva. So in the Mechilta of Rabbi Shmael, we have the following line. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Lechem Kaful. What was Lechem Mishneh? It means double Lechem. And what's that? In other words, double Omer. The shear is one Omer. Here's two Omer. In other words, instead of a tenth of an efa, a fifth of an efa, for each person, lachem mishneh means double. That's the way we always understood it. It's there because of the following. In the Mechilta Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai, So the first thing he, that you hear from here is that it's not just a historic note, but it's a prescriptive note, meaning... Just like on Friday in the desert, they should prepare everything they're going to want for tomorrow. Similarly, 
A person should collect things on Friday for Shabbat. In other words, prepare on Friday for Shabbat. And then, Vahayam Mishneh, and here's an interesting twist. Lechem Shehum Mishuneh. Food which is different, which is odd. Let's see what that's about. In other words, Rabbi Yeshua said, what does Lachem Mishneh means? Double. So he says, Lachem Mishneh means double. You're telling me it means weird in the sense of Mishoneh, which is a very different word, as opposed to Mishneh, uh, which comes from Shnaim and double. So the Midrash Halacha says, maybe it just means what Rabbi Yeshua said. The answer is, it already said they collected meaning the text already advises us that it's and remember this is the Mechilta of Rabbi Akiva. In Rabbi Akiva's world, every word in the Torah is teaching a new lesson and there is no such notion as, as the school of Rabbi Shmael, which is that the Torah speaks with normal rhetoric or kol parsha shenishneta when an idea is repeated, it's only repeated for the new information. In Rabbi Kiva's school, no, the repetition itself uh, carries new significance. And therefore, it already says, so I already know there's a double portion. Why is it Mishneh? Bread which is odd. Again, the word Shin Nunhe, the root Shin Nunhe, means something very different uh, as shoneh, meaning different, as opposed to mishneh, which comes from shnaim, and they come from different roots originally, even though they can be, end up being the same root in Hebrew. So, but that, I mean, in the world of Midrash, that's legit. So now, how is this bread different? How is this food different? Sorry. So every day, there'd be one omer, and on Friday, there were two. Shabbat, here means Arab Shabbat. Every day, the, the food smelled great. It was Shabbat Bioter, but for the one for Shabbat, it smelled even better. Every day, it was shined like gold, and Shabbat, even more. So, Mishune here is something Mishune, meaning it doesn't mean different as in uh, diametrically different, but rather, rather intensity different, meaning however intense the man was, on the Shabbat man was even more intense. So as great as it was, it was greater. So you had one omer, and now you had two. It, it smelled good, now it smelled great. It looked good, it looked great, etc. Okay, and that's just a little bit of the background. Now let's go to our sugya. I'm Rav Chista, and this is um, in Daf Kufiud Zayin, I would bet. And again, we're going to be revisiting this sugya next week. I'm Rav Chista, Adam Shabbat. He said, first of all, uh, a person has to get up early on Friday in order to prepare for Shabbat. Which means right away we're looking at the story of the man and the story of the Fridays in the desert as not just being descriptive of what, what they did or prescriptive for how they should do it in the desert, but rather prescriptive forever. Just like the mitzvah of Shabbat is given first, at least explicitly, is given first in the story of the man. Similarly, this particular... Uh, animal vision that a person should uh, prepare himself early on Friday and go out and work to prepare for Shabbat is also given here. Uh, here we go. On Shabbat, you have to cut two loaves. You have to cut your bread over over two loaves. Now, that doesn't mean that they're interpreting the word lechem 
as bread in the Torah because the word lechem, of course, is used to refer to a meal. Korbanilach mil'ishai. But since the man is referred to by its flour measurement, and since it operates as a bread along with other things, um, therefore we say after lachemishnah. And since uh, we use bread as the staple of the meal, therefore two breads. I saw that Rav Kahana, my teacher, Ravashi says, I saw my teacher would take both breads, but he would only cut one. Amar liktukti. It says, collect lechem So they collect lechem but that doesn't mean you have to eat lechem Rabbi Zerah would cut them all. Now, cut them all doesn't just sound like two. It's how many he had? Cut them all. Amar Ravina Ravashi. So Ravina then turns to Ravashi and says, Vamechzik Rav Tanuta, Rav Zerah had done several generations earlier, which evidently was a custom that, if not maintained, at least was remembered later, says that looks like gluttony, eating so much bread. Since he doesn't do this every day, he just does it today, it doesn't look like gluttony. So Ravami Ravasi had a different take, which really doesn't directly impact on it, but it's an interesting footnote, that if they ever got a hold of the bread that had been used for the Eruv, such as the Eruv Tchumin or the Eruv Chatzerot, they would dafka make hamotzi on that one. Why? Amri hoel v'tavid ba'achad ha-mitzvah v'tavid ba'mitzvah achrina. Since it's been used for one mitzvah, we'll use it for another mitzvah. One of the interesting observations about that is is that they regarded making hamotzi on bread on Shabbat as being uh, as being a mitzvah. As perhaps they they might have even intended this during the week, is that the bread that you make the brachan becomes like a focal point of a mitzvah. Okay, uh, before we go into the halachic nuances and some really intriguing and uh, kind of uh, stereotype shattering, perhaps. Um, kind of observations of the Mishonim, the two Midrashim that I'd like to show you that are just about Lecha Mishnah in, uh, from, two different, two, from two different angles. One of them is Midrash Tehillim. Midrash Tehillim is a very late Midrashic collection, um, late m- m- medieval 10th, 11th century, um, that is really a compilation of Midrashim from other places. And on Tehillim Tzadi Bet, which is Mizmor Shel Yom HaShabbat, Mizmor Shel Yom HaShabbat, and Rabbi Yitzchak, Re'uk Yadonai Natan Lechem HaShabbat. Rabbi Yitzchak starts his explanation of this Midrash, of this Perak and Tehillim, uh, or this Midrash, with the Pasuk about the man. Remember where Hashem said, look, Hashem has given you the Shabbat, and now he's giving you double bread. So, Mahu Re'u, what does that mean, see it? Yosem Raganito Dihavita Lachon, I've given you a precious jewel. Called Iska de Shabbat Kaful. What have I given you? Everything about Shabbat is doubled. Lechem Mishnah. Shnei Amor Lechad. When it gets double food. Korbana Kaful. On Shabbat we bring a double Korban. Yom Shabbat Shnei Chvasim. On Shakaful. By the way, the punishment for Shabbat is presented as a double. Shem Rachala Motumat. Motumat. Schara Kaful. And it's something we looked at in the last week's parsha. Shiur Shnei Makrata Shabbat Oneg Do Shadlomim Chubad. Did you take both pleasure and honor in Shabbat? That doubleness. There's a double warning about Shabbat, Zachor v'Shamor. And Mizmor Kaful, the psalm of Shabbat, is also doubled, Mizmor Shir, because Mizmor and Shir are actually um, uh, a redundant 
uh, phrase uh, because mizmor and shir commonly seem to be uh, synonymous. Okay, uh, an interesting take on understanding that the lecha mishnah that we have on Shabbat is a gift from God that we're given double things on Shabbat, and the Shabbat is a double. There's a beautiful midrash that I didn't quote here. Um, that uh, that has at the Midrash in Breshit Rabbah that says that all of the days of the week of creation had pairs. Yom Achad, Yom Sheni were together, Yom Sushi and Yom Revi'i were together, Yom Chamishi and Yom Shishi are together, and you can sort of understand how uh, that Yom Achad and Yom Sheni are about to the elemental creations of heavens and earth, and Yom Sushi and Yom Revi'i are sort of about the creation of seasons uh, with both celestial beings and Yom Revi'i, and also about harvest, etc., and Yom Shlishi. And Chamishi uh, and Shishi is the development of life, first uh, aquatic and and uh, and aviary life, and then Malian life on Yom Shishi. And Shabbat turns on and says, I've got no partner. And Akkadosh Baruch says, Israel is going to be your partner. I'm Israel is going to be your partner. Beautiful Midrash. Okay, this other Midrash, which is Midrash Tanchuma, which is also a late Midrash collection, 9th, 10th century, um, uh, in Parshat Vayetze, uh, in the context of God giving the promise to, to Yaakov at the famous dream scene at Betel, and he says, I'm going to be with you. So the Midrash is, Ketiv Chiko Mam Takim. This Midrash is just so beautiful that I don't want to leave any of it out. He says that the, the, the in the Shira Shirim, the beloved speaks about her guy that she's very excited for as saying his palate is sweet his palate is sweet and of course the way we understand it is that Shirashirim is Am Yisrael is the Raya is the princess and the king shepherd is God so he said let, let's let's take a look at it what does it mean that God's God is this sweet palate he says, look what Hashem says to Yisrael. Don't cut yourself when somebody dies. Right? right? Why does it say Ani Hashem at the end of that pasuk in Kedoshim? I promise that I'll give you a reward for not doing this. Could there be anything sweeter than that? Think about this. Um... Uh, a guy might come to somebody and say, if you degrade yourself, I'll pay you. And here, if you don't degrade yourself, I'm going to give you a reward. In other words, God promises a reward for avoiding something that nobody wants to do anyways. Look how beautiful that is. God gives you a great gift for something that takes no effort at all. What's another Midrash on this? God said, I separated you from the other nations. Look at God's ways. If he said, I separated the nations from you, then non-Jews would have no hope that they could ever come close. I separated the nations from you. I took them away from you. Nobody could convert. A guy has figs. In Borehu Araot bin Efot, if he takes the bad ones and throws them out, ain't so he's never gonna go back to the bad ones. He's already thrown them out. But if he takes the good ones out and leaves the bad ones behind, if he suddenly says, I want a few more, he'll go back to the ones he discarded, because he didn't discard them, he just left them behind and he'll collect them. 
That's why God said, not I separated the nations from you, but I separated you from the nations. To hint to the nations that if one of them wants to convert, that there, there's room there. Could there be anything sweeter than that? Now the next one, it directly impacts us. Racha says it's like a king. Again, most of the Mishalim we deal with in the Midrashim are about human kings. It's hard for us to understand. Shinotein duantiba, which is a, a gift. Einonotein um, istativa, which is a break. In other words, the king gives a gift to his, to his servants. He gives the gift because they're doing extra work. And if he gives them a break, then he doesn't give them an extra gift. Shinotein istativa, einotein duantiba. HaKadosh Baruch Hu notein istativa, notein duantiba. God gives both. Atan Shabbat, Atan Lechem God gave us Shabbat, a day off, and God gave us Lechem an extra gift. Maktiv, look at the Pasuk, Hashem has given you Shabbat, therefore He's given you double food on Friday. Look at how sweet the palate is. There's another one related to Shabbat. This is something we referenced in last week's year also, uh, but not in this Midrash. Yochanan says, God says, you keep Shabbat, I'm going to give you a reward. And how do you keep Shabbat? Have a party, have food, have drink, have nice clothes, and I'll, I'll reward you. So look how beautiful this is. Again, this great praise for HaKadosh Baruch Okay, with all of that, let's get back to the halachic discussion. How about Lechem We're going to find something kind of interesting, because let's step back a second, and before looking at the halachic development of Lechem and where it gets to, um, and I'll start this with a question, which is the integration of this week and next week's shiur, which is, do you need Lechem at Sudash Lishit, at the final meal of, of Shabbat? Let's think about why you would, and let's think about why you would not. Why you would, well... It seems fairly straightforward. It says that's part of what Shabbat is. Shabbat is Lachem Mishneh. But on the other hand, let's play it out. If we're trying to re-experience the desert life and what Shabbat was like there, then remember they collected double on Friday. By the time they got to the last meal on Shabbat, there wasn't double left over. So why would we have Lachem Mishneh? But then by that reasoning, do we ever need Lachem Mishneh? So let's see what happens. In the uh, ninth century, there was a uh, compilation put together called Sefer Achilukim Ben Maarav, the book of distinctions between the Easterners and the Westerners, which identified Minhag Eretz Israel as opposed to Minhag Bavel. And of course, Minhag Bavel is the one that we're most familiar with because that's where Torah flourished during that era. But there was still there was still for hundreds of years very strong both in liturgy and in lots of different customs, practices of the Eretz Yisrael community that were different. And so that's what we read about here. Anshe Mizrach, the Easterners, Bavel, they cut two loaves on Shabbat. Which means we're now finding out that this statement in the Gemara about Lechem and then we suddenly look back and realize those are all Babylonian rabbis, and the idea of Lechem seems to be a Babylonian idea. Why? In Eretz Yisrael, they only use one loaf on Shabbat. And what's the reason? To not interfere with the kavod of Erev Shabbat on Shabbat. 
Now that's something of an inscrutable line. And so we roll ahead to Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Nathan, the Ravon, uh, in, uh, in his commentary on Psachim. Uh, you have his dates there, uh, one of the very early uh, Balea Tosafot. Uh, this book was available during that period, and, and they, uh, he quotes it. He adds, by the way, the word shlemot, um, that they would use two full loaves uh, on Shabbat to fulfill lechem mishneh. On Eretz Yisrael, they only use one. So in order not to, and that's the line, introduce Erev Shabbat into Shabbat Perush. And now he explains what it means. Think about it. Lechem Mishneh means there was one for Friday and one for Shabbat. So therefore, there's one for Shabbat, not two. The two was in order to be able to have one for Shabbat without having to go out and collect. So in Eretz Yisrael, their custom on Shabbat was to have one loaf and not two. And that means that all the, the, the sugyot, the sugyot that we see here and the parallel sugyot in Brachot and in Sixth Barak are Babylonian sugyot. Okay. Now we move... Uh, ahead by a little bit to Provence and in uh, Sefer HaManhig of uh, just interesting thing about Maraton Hayarchi why is he called Hayarchi? because he lived in Lunel Lunel of course means moon and so he was called Maraton Hayarchi the guy from the moon town Yerach okay Omerani she was Sudash Lishit Shel Shabbat so he says Sudash Lishit Ein Tzach Litzosh Tekikot you don't need two loaves Dichtiv Ayiv Ayim Hashishi Laktu Lecha Mishneh Shnei Omer Lachad he quotes the Pasuk Remember, on a regular day, they got one Omer, and that was two meals, because they normally had two meals in the ancient world, one in the mid-morning and one at the end of the day. So therefore, if the Omer provides two meals, that means that essentially there were two loaves per day, of whatever, whatever you call a loaf, which means on Friday there were four loaves. So four loaves fell in the morning. Okay. So one of them, the person ate midday on Friday, late morning. There would be three left. Belal Shabbat, which by the way means based on that that you should have three Friday night. Nobody suggests that. So you eat one of them Friday night and you eat, and you eat it. So there's two more for Shabbat. So b'shacharit in your first meal of Shabbat day, which is your second Shabbat meal, botzei achat ve'ochla, you break bread on the two and you eat one of them. Yisharachat mincha, there's one more left in the afternoon. Haralachashen mincha lachemishne, there's no lachemishne in the afternoon. So he simply walks through and says, think about what they did in the midbar. If the the they ate meals twice a day, which is the assumption, and there was an omer that fell, that means the omer was made up of two loaves or two parts. And that means that on Friday, there were four parts. So they had four Friday mornings. So the first meal on Friday, they ate, they had four, they ate one. Friday night, they sat down, they had three, so they ate one. The next day, they had two. There's Yolacha Mishnah on Shabbat day. By the time you get to Sudash Tashit, there's only one left. And it's a fairly compelling argument. Although you notice that in Eretz Yisrael, they took it back a whole step and said the whole idea of Lecha Mishnah is double Omer. But since there was only one Omer for the Shabbat, therefore there's no reason for Lechem Mishneh. Okay? We move ahead now, uh, again, overlapping Chachamim, to the Sefer Shibolei Aleket, which is an Italian collection of Halachot. 
Tzidkiah uh, often would quote his brother, who was his teacher, Minyomin, uh, who said, He says, Shabbat morning, the first meal of the Shabbat day, you don't need to have two loaves. So he interprets the Gemara. Remember, Sefer Amanik, Sefer Shibolaka, these are all working in the Babylonian tradition that have Lachamishnah. But they're saying that at, at Lachamishnah is not at every meal. So Rabbi Rabbi Natan says not at Sudash Tishit. Shibolaka says not even at Sudat Shacharit. Why? Midichtiv, Laktu Lachamishnah, Shteim Ralachad. So he says, since you ate it in the morning, so then in the afternoon you didn't have lacha mishneh. But notice, he says, sudashniya, and sudashniya here seems to be the morning meal. But reality is that if you look at it not as the, like the Sefer Mani, he had his whole cheshbon of each omer has two loaves, but rather just lachem There's no more lachem by the time Shabbat day comes around. Uh, and so there's no need for that either. Okay, now let's see how the how the poskim deal with it. The Rambam, source 10 is one that we saw last week, talks about kavod, but later on in that parak in source 11, he says, that you have to establish every meal of the three meals of Shabbat, uh, on wine. By the way, there is a minhag among Hasidim and on others to make a quasi kiddush in the middle of Sudash Lishit uh, and to uh, break bread on two loaves. Right? The Magid Mishnah, in his commentary, actually adds in another piece, which is Katav Gaon, Kozman Shu Soed, anytime you have a meal. So if you have four meals or five meals on Shabbat, um, that you have to have Lacha Mishnah at each one. And if you think about it, it actually makes, it's, it's a compelling argument. Because either you're going to argue that you need Lecha Mishnah only as long as they were eating Lecha Mishnah in the desert, and then you have the position that either Sudash Lishit or even Sudat Shacharit, or even maybe Friday night, as we know, you don't need Lecha Mishnah. Or else you're going to say Lecha Mishnah is endemic to the meals of Shabbat, in which case any meal of Shabbat, even if you have a few extras, you should have it. Well, take a look at the tour. The tour says, And then he quotes the two opinions that we saw in the Gemara about whether you break all of them or just break one of them. The Shochan Aruch says, Two full loaves. And this comes into an interesting discussion that shows up uh, in, in a little, a little bit earlier than this, based on some mystical ideas that Friday night you have the two loaves, one on top of the other, and Yudavka break the lower one. Right? So the Ramah says very clearly the reason for doing that is, is based on mysticism, and during the day it's the opposite, whichever one's on top. Some of the Rishonim, some of the Achronim on the Shulchan Aruch are very bothered by the notion that we would violate a halachic principle of Ein Mavrin al Mitzvot, not to bypass a mitzvah in order to do this mystical thing, but that takes us into a whole other range, which is the impact and influence of mysticism on halacha. The Rishonim adds in something else here, which is Vegam Hanashim Mechuyavot Belechem Mishneh. Now notice what he says, and we're going to take a careful look at this. He says, women are also obligated in Lecha Mishnah, which means two things. It means, first of all, that at any normal meal, when everybody's sitting around at a meal of Shabbat, and whoever is making hamotzi, 
makes uh, hamotzi on two loaves, everybody, men and women, have to listen, say amen, and get some bread, ideally from those loaves, uh, and not make their own separate hamotzi, just on a piece of bread, because they have to be part of lacha mishneh. It also means that women would have, there's no reason a woman can't be the one to say hamotzi for everybody, because they're equally chayv in all of it, and berchat and lacha mishneh. But the second thing is uh, that his argument is shayu gamkein b'nes haman. In other words, he says, lacha mishneh is a commemoration of a miracle. The miracle is that there was the man itself and the miracle that a double portion fell on, on Friday. And since the women were also part of that miracle, therefore they're also obligated, which is an argument that we find in the Gemara in only three cases, none of which are this. One of them is the Arba Kosot, the other is Adlakat Ner Chanukah, and the other is Mikra Megillah. And what those have in common is they are all Midi Rabbanan, they're all rabbinic obligations. Rabbeinu Tam, uh, at one point, particular point, points out that the argument of Afhen Hayubo Tuanes only works for mitzvot de Rabbanan. And when it comes to mitzvot de Oraita, typically, by the way, all three of those uh, fall into the category of zman grama, of time-dependent. So if they were Doraita, the woman would be, would be exempt. Um, so Mr. Burra seems to feel that Lecha Mishneh itself is the Rabbanan, and that seems to be the consensus, but not already will accept that. Now take a look at the Aruch HaShulchan, uh, roughly a contemporary, a slightly older contemporary of the Mishnah Bura from the Vardak. He gives the background of the Gemara. So his point was, and this is echoing what we saw in the Mechilta, that the phrase Lecha Mishneh here is extra because it already says Shnei HaOmer LaEchad. Everybody got two Omer. And therefore, Lecha Mishneh is extra. It should have just said they, they collected two Omer for each person. He said, therefore, this is redundant. That's why we understand that this is a separate thing. That's how we should understand it. That all foods, all breads of Sudot Shabbat should be doubled. And this is taking the position that we saw in the in the Magin Mishnah that the that any meal you have on Shabbat has to have a double portion. A double bread, and not like those Rishonim who said, well, it's only until Shabbat day or only until Sudash Lishit, and not like the Rambam who said the three meals, but any meal. We already saw that. Right? And then the Aruch HaShokhan says the following, He says that Lecha Mishneh is the Oraita. Because he says it's actually based on extra words in the Torah. And not just an asmachta. It's not just relying on psukim, but it's a real din doraita. All right, which is what makes the next line so interesting. He also agrees that women are obligated in Lecha Mishnah, but notice he cannot use the argument the Mishnah Burah used, which was to say, because that only works for mitzvot de Rabbanan. And therefore, he says, quotes the Mordechai, the student of Maram Rottenberg, he uses a different blanket statement. When it comes to Shabbat, women are obligated just like men. And Arai, of course, is Kiddush. 
Kiddush is Do'oraita, and Kiddush is definitely time-bound, and women are obligated in Kiddush based on Zachor v'Shamor. And as a result of that, he says, women are obligated in all the mitzvot of Shabbat like men, three meals, and Lechemishneh, Kavod, Oneg, etc., just like men. And therefore, it's a blanket statement. Remember, he cannot use the Mishnah Berurah's argument, which is, because that will not apply to something which is Doraita, and he holds Lachemishne as Doraita. He says, therefore, people who are scrupulous make sure that when the balabayit washes his hands, he doesn't make hamotzi until everybody who's sitting there has already washed their hands and sitting by the table. As opposed to just waiting until a couple of people or just the men or something like that have washed. Then he makes hamotzi on lechemishneh, and everybody's yotzi with that. Even in those places where they have like two little rolls in front of everybody, we've seen this often at at, uh, at Shabbatonim and things of that sort. Typically, what they do, this is in Lithuania, what they would do is they wouldn't give the women therefore you have to wait for. In other words, if let's say it's a meal where they have people sitting by families, and every place they put it in front of the the head of the family, the man of the family, put lechem mishneh, but they don't give it to his wife, and he has to wait for his wife to come and make a motzi and include her. The ideal is to have just lechem mishneh in front of the head of the household, and you should wait for everybody, including the, the women, to come. Okay, now we move ahead to the second meal. So the Rambam's approach that you have to have lachem mishnat sudash tishit. Remember the tour was the Rosh's son. He did not make brepiagafen at the beginning of the meal. Evidently, the Rambam felt you had to. Why? Because day and night are compared to each other. Now, just like at night we make Kiddush once, simply during the day you make Kiddush once. But my father, the Rosh, would make Hamotzi on two breads at Sudash Tishit. Now, this is interesting that this is quoting a Yerushalmi that we haven't found. Um, but it says that at Sudash Tashit, you have to have at least one complete bread. This goes back to the historic analysis that we saw in some of the Rishonim, that after all, on Friday, there was, everybody got two. So this is what we saw in the, in the, um, in the Sefer Manig. We already saw that. The Shulchan Aruch, in that same Siman, about Sudash Tashit, says, So like the Rosh, we don't make Kiddush at Sudash Tashit. And then the Ramah says, So we saw this already in the Magid Mishnah that if you have a bunch of meals on Shabbat, every one of them needs Lachem Mishnah. And then he goes to the other extreme and says, well, at least at Sudash Tashit don't have less than one full bread. 
And from this came the leniency that people have to only have one bread at Shadash Tashit. But he says, really, you should take two. And we're going to end off with this comment of the Arucha Shulchan, um, which kind of sums up some, some of what we've seen. Uh, and he says, Rambam says, you always need two loaves. Again, this historic analysis that they are, they only had one loaf left on Shabbat afternoon. So you only need one for Sudash Tashit. So some people only have one for Sudash Tashit. That's not the right thing to do. Unless you really just can't get a second one. Most poskim agree that you should need two. He goes back to our sugya. That's why I wanted to end with this comment. And he says the statement in the sugya is a person has to break bread on two kikarot on Shabbat. It's not talking about one meal, it's talking about all the meals. And he quotes what we saw, the Magid Mishnah quoting the Gaon. Um, Saying that if you have a lot of meals, you have to have lachemishneh. Okay, so what we've seen over the course of uh, of this last forty-five minutes is the source of the whole issue of lachemishneh and its development uh, in uh, a little bit of midrashic development, also its development in the rishonim um, taking. Uh, um, taking the historic angle of what actually happened in the desert and analyzing the halachic propriety of two loaves or one loaf at different meals of Shabbat based on that. And then we saw the development in the halacha, and it does seem to be the not the absolute consensus, but it seems to be the majority opinion going across the halacha that at uh, all Shabbat meals, a person should have shteki karot, as a commemoration of the nace of the man. Now, just one last comment. If we go back to source one, you can see that um, there is a notion of a mishmeret l'dorotechem, a, uh, a permanent mishmeret, a permanent guarding of the man. And remember that the, the opinion of the Archa Shochan was that the whole idea of Lachem is, is, is a mitzvah, is a din doraita. It's an obligation that's from the Torah that you have to have Lachem and I'd like to suggest support for that idea from this, that when Moshe says to Aharon that you have to have a permanent commemoration of the man, the way that we have the permanent commemoration of the man is lachemishneh. Remember, we even set up our bread on Shabbat to imitate the man by having a flat surface underneath, a board underneath, and a cover on top, just like the frost and the tal that kind of sandwich the man in. Um, and uh, and in, in the same way, the lechem mishneh is the mishmeret l'doroteichem. That is how, for all generations, the Jewish people continue to remember the nace of the man every Friday night, every Shabbat day, every sudash tzidit, every meal on Shabbat, by having the lechem mishneh um, to remind us of the great miracle of the way that Hashem took care of us in the Midbar. Okay, next week we're going to do the second half of this, which is Sudash Tashit. Meantime, we should have a wonderful week and stay healthy.